0: All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us today for yet another episode um, where we're doing something a little bit different. We haven't done this a whole lot. I've got two guests, two friends of mine on the podcast today Jeff Shipley and Jen Olmsted. Thank you guys so much for making time for the Boca listeners.
1: Yes, wow, thank you course. for having us. We're. <laughs> we're- Buy one,
2: get one free. (laughs) Exactly.
1: And there's, you know, we have that East Coast, West Coast thing going on. So there will probably be some of those awkward overlap, you know, moments for you guys. So you're welcome in advance for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jeff, thanks for explaining that. I was actually going to mention that we're all, I think we're all meeting uh, virtually at this point. So um, you may hear a slight pause and delay, and it is a little bit of a different format for the Boca podcast. Um, likely with most of these questions, I'll just, I'll go to either Jen or Jeff and, and let each of them respectively answer the questions. But we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, you and we all just chatted very, very briefly before we hit the record button, but I, I told you, I want to, I want to catch up with you guys a little bit. I didn't actually yeah. get to see you, uh, either of you at, at WPPI, I don't think. And of course this was just this last week for those of you listening and we, we may be pushing this out in a couple of weeks or so, but, um, w- were you, were you at WPPI? Did I miss you? Um and, and what's what's the latest with your conference attendance?
1: Yeah. Well, um you did not miss us. It's not like uh we actually weren't neither of us were there. I had I had grand hopes of going um and actually had everything arranged and some, some stuff came up last minute, so I wasn't able to go. Um, so next year is, it's going to be kind of intense because I'm going to be it's like on. extra excited to be there. Yeah, And, and Vegas is kind of WPI is kind of my thing. So I was really sad not to be there. But so everyone better stretch for next year because <laughs> yeah. I'm already excited
2: if Jeff had been there, you would have known, I mean, the dancing, you would have seen him. You couldn't True. have missed him on the dance floor. So Fair enough. Let's Fair just enough. make that clear.
0: Well, I, I, <laughs> I really, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we have an opportunity to connect whether, I mean, I, I hope it's not another year from now at WPPI. Love to be able to see both of you. Um, I will say that WPPI this year had a, certainly a different feel than last year. I think um, and a large number of people were kind of in a little bit of shock at the WPPI experience in 2017. Yeah, and, like there was kind of a question mark of you know, do we even go back in 2018? What's it going to be like? And they changed the venue, and it felt more like old times where you're seeing friends in the hallway and catching up a little bit. Uh, so that that was good. Um, I I'm actually curious, and and maybe this will kind of give some type of insight to our listeners. But um, as a company. You know, it, it, photographers, of course, will talk about whether or not to do a bridal show. What are your mm. w- what is your philosophy on whether or not to take your company tonic site shop, which, by the way, of course, we'll link to in the in the, uh, the show notes. It's just as it sounds tonic dot com for those of you listening in. But w- what's your philosophy behind doing trade shows and whether or not you get involved in conferences and trade shows?
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely something that we've we've paid close attention to, you know, as our company has evolved. Um, I think mainly for us, where our our kind of sweet spot is, is definitely more so like in the smaller, intimate settings. So we really love supporting, um, you know, workshops for you know various friends or tonic clients, um, and so we kind of show up in that respect. But um, and, and of course, another favorite of ours is show it united, um, and I yes. think because that's where so many. Of our connection started Um, and that's actually we'll get a little bit more into that that's kind of one of um through a show it is how jenna jen and i met um so we definitely like being there mainly and also for wppi i think our our philosophy and our intentionality behind it comes from just a place of connecting with people and seeing people in person um So we, we kind of work virtually, um, very much so. And so it's an opportunity for us to meet our clients, buy them a drink, um, hang out, and just kind of get to know them as people. And so our presence is a little um, more behind the scenes and conversational than, you know, having a booth or um Throwing a, a big party, although I'm very tempted by that because that sounds really fun. Jen, <laughs> um, what are your that's thoughts my there?
2: Favorite memories, yeah, like one of yeah. my favorite memories as Tonic, I think, was we had kind of an informal get together and we sent out like a little Tonic call to arms and we're like, "Hey, any Tonic clients at WPBI? We're going to be doing green- drinks at the at you know a great cool bar in this area. Come on out!" And we were shocked to see how many people came out to meet us. And it was so cool just finally getting to be clinking glasses of people that we worked with or emailed with or who had a site or who wanted a site. And it's interesting now looking back, realizing how many of the people that didn't have a tonic site before that that time that do now. And so I think mm-hmm. there's just no substitute for that personal connection. And I I just love that. I'm, I'm definitely, I think we're both um, extroverts. And so it, it definitely gives us that kind of creative high of like, oh, wait, yeah, this is why we do what we do. These are the people who are helping. This is real. You know, They're saying, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe how many clients I booked this year because of my awesome website. And that's a conversation we wouldn't hear and feedback we wouldn't get if we weren't there. So I think that we realize that there's no substitute for that. Although we kind of do way every year. Do we really need to go as a business? Or do we just want to go party? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is actually a really great question. And, and you know, I think the, the on kind of a bigger picture level, and especially for photographers that are deciding whether or not to do a bridal show, for example, the big question is, uh, first of all, it, it related to the business model, and then deciding whether or not that particular show or conference actually lines up with your bigger picture goals as a business owner. And, mm-hmm. and so I love that you guys are thinking right. about that. Um, I, I love that you brought up show it as well, because I have to say that really pretty much the highlight, of my experience at WPPI this year was the Show It Dinner. Show It, yeah. um, for those of you listening yeah. in who are not familiar with Show It, uh, if you just go to, I, I think it's just showit.com, correct? Showit.co. .co? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh huh. Incredible, incredible. And I should know that. I mean, I've, I've. In fact, I've, I've used <laughs> their product and, and have known the guys there for years. But, um, at Showit.co. For those of you listening in, incredible website company and and I'll let Jeff and Jen kind of shed a little bit more light on that brand here in a bit. But, um, they they hosted a dinner and it felt like a mini version of Showit United, which is the conference that they put on in the fall each year. And it just felt like going and having dinner with family and you oh, know th- yeah. those kinds of conversations that are, that, that actually feel like they go beyond the surface where people are actually interested in connecting with you. It's just so refreshing and encouraging. And, you know, it was like the best two hours of, of, of WBPI or certainly some of the best two hours of WPPI this year. And, uh, it's, it was really great to be a part of. So for those of you listening in again, if, if you don't have it, maybe you didn't go to WPPI, you're trying to figure out what conference or workshop do I go to? I can't recommend show United enough. I think it's coming up this year, November fourth, And I'm certainly going to be there. And it's, it's one of the most endearing conferences that you'll become a part of largely because of the relationships that we're talking about. But then, of course, there's also a wonderful opportunity for for learning the education there as well. So make sure that um, you check that out. We'll link to to the conference in the show notes as well. Uh, but I, I, I'd like that we got started with a bit of small talk. I want to kind of get into some of my questions here. And, and really, the first one and the most common for our podcast is what we call the aha moment. I'd love for each of you, or maybe you have one that you share with the, the design company that you help run. What is a, a big or difficult lesson that you've experienced as business owner or business owners, um, as you've developed your businesses?
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny. I think there's definitely been a lot of aha moments. Um, and I think, yeah, they, they come at interesting times. I think the, the one that we thought about when, when, um, we first were kind of penciling out some thoughts for this, um, was, was the idea of of roles and responsibilities, and so we always kind of laughed when we first um, met that we were kind of the same person. You know, we both live like monochromatic lives, and we <laughs> shudder at the thought of color, and we love <laughs> yes. a good old fashioned, right? So yes. we we sort of just thought that that was so fun and interesting, and and in a lot of ways we have the same skill set. Um, we're both from like a communication background. Jen studied journalism, and I studied communication um, in a more general sense. And Mm -hmm. I, I always think we, we kind of just dove into our working together in a very 50, 50, like you take half the emails. I'll take half the emails. You do this site. I'll do that site. Um, and we did that for years. And then we started to realize that, that we needed to kind of look at some of the, the, the nuances In our skill set and and really define them Mm. and not be afraid to operate within them and so you know even though they're they're subtle sometimes it's like you know I can write but Jen's strength is writing she can write quickly she can write effectively like that's her jam and so for me to sort of beat my head against the desk writing an Instagram caption and for her to you know fiddle with her phone for hours trying to get the perfect edit on a photo it made more sense for me to operate in the photo space since I'm a photographer and for her to operate in this space of writing because she's a journalist. And so that for us, that kind of aha moment is like, why are we forcing ourselves to like always divide equally when we have unique nuances within our skill set that make more sense for specific tasks. And that has really helped us kind of lean into the certain roles and be okay When sometimes you, you know, it may be something that you're good at or you're able to do, but the other person is better at it. And you just have to recognize that and not be weird about it. And I think once I, it's something that we've been working on seriously for the last couple of years. And it really shifted, I think, the quality of our work and Mm -hmm. our experience together. And it allows us to operate within our really, within our strengths and within our unique skill set. Um, And I think in the end, we've both been happier as a result, even though it seems sort of silly sometimes.
0: (laughs) No, I I love that. And there are multiple talking points within that. But Jen, I'd love for you to comment on, on this idea as well.
2: Yeah. So I think that, you know, like Jeff said, it's really easy as a talented creative, you know, Probably most people listening to this, you're a creative, you have a lot of skill sets, you're able to do a ton of different things. And so it's very tempting to be like, sure, I can do all these things. And so Jeff and I, in our relationship, instead of being like, man, okay, we're two different people, and we can therefore... Um, accomplish way more if we can kind of look more intentionally at what we can do and what we can do well and then farm out these specific tasks. We're like, no, 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 we want to make this really even. And so we'll just make sure that we split everything down the middle. Um, And even with our design process, we approach things a little bit more that way. But we realized um, in retrospect this past year, especially that when we get into designing our websites, um, we kind of just very naturally delved into our specific strengths. And so like Jeff said, he's a former photographer, very, very talented did really great at image creation and curation and knowing what works well. Um, And that's where he tends to start his site work is he starts with the images and says, okay, like what's our mood? What's our aesthetic? Um, What are we trying to create here? Whereas I, at my background is in journalism. I love words. I love writing. I love the, the type that tells it. <laughs> and so whenever I start with the site design, I always started with the type and the fonts and built a font book and and then started telling the story that way and and started developing the copy and kind of the, the set the intention for the site. And so we did that very naturally yeah. in our design process. We forgot to kind of transmute that um, relationship to our work relationship. And so we were doing the same things over and over. And so we realized that it was complicated Causing tension where like, we are spending way too much time doing things that the other person would have executed really quickly and really efficiently and really well, or even enjoyed to do more than the other person. And so yeah. mm-hmm. I think you know, if you're a creative and you're hearing this, take a look at the things that you're doing that you're not doing efficiently or that you're not doing well, or that maybe you could hire someone and say, okay, let's see here. Can I put this on someone else's plate who's really skilled at this task and that it's keeping me from doing what I'm really good at. Um, and I think that it took way too long for us to transfer that kind of organic understanding more intentionally back to like our productive and administrative work. And that was definitely a game changer and something that we're still kind of learning um, as we go, but it's been it's been really helpful.
0: Well, and, and you know, honestly, I, there's not a whole lot that I need to add to that. You, you really summed it up beautifully and kind of <laughs> touched on the key points. I, I think it is... It, absolutely imperative that photographers as business owners are, first of all, self-aware, they realize what they're good at, uh, and also what they enjoy, and learn to find those that they can delegate to or share those responsibilities with um, those those particular tasks that they're not either good at, or I'm glad that you mentioned efficient at, uh, I think that's really important as well, or maybe just don't enjoy, learn to share those with somebody in-house or somebody externally, uh, there are so many services out there that will help you run your business. And, and it's time that we as business owners really capitalize on this. And I say weak. I mean, really, this is ultimately a, a good reminder for myself as well. Even having a company that's been around for 10 years and we've had you know however many employees now at this point, um, I still have to be reminded of the importance of delegation so that I can focus on what I'm most, uh, what I'm best at. And certainly, what I enjoy most as well. And uh, so, I love how I love this this reminder. I think it's really, really important. I appreciate you both sharing about that. You did mention something, Jeff, uh, in the intro there about old fashions. Do you do you both make old fashions? Is it a favorite drink of each of you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, is there like is there a um, maybe not so secret recipe that you can share? Is there a particular way that each of you approach making an old fashioned? Because that's that's really my favorite cocktail to make as well. We
2: have a really pretty recipe, and we will link it up in the show notes, and then they can just download it because we have it all laid out beautifully, and then you can save it to your phone or have it on your desktop and make an old-fashioned tonic style anytime you want.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, we'll definitely link to that. And um, the, the thing that I've experimented with and really enjoyed, actually, is instead of using a simple syrup or a cube of sugar, is using a dark maple syrup. Um, Ooh, and, I
2: love that. We Yeah, we call that the bourbon maple. And we've definitely made that several times. It's delicious with a little bit of apple cider. It's even better.
0: Ooh, okay. I haven't tried the apple cider. It, usually it's a dark maple syrup uh, or a maple syrup of some kind and then and then some bitters. But I'm gonna have to add the I apple cider. That. that sounds really, really good. Okay. Well, we'll make sure to link yeah. to that in the show notes. And and speaking of kind of random facts and information, I do share something. Uh, each of you share something that maybe most people don't know about you. We'd love to get to know you a little bit more personally. Jeff, maybe you can start.
1: Yeah. Um, let's see here. I, I think my sort of fun fact that a lot of people don't know or find to <laughs> be kind of hilarious is that I grew up in the mountains um, in a very small town in California, and I legitimately used to build forts in the woods and race sticks down the creek. Um, and I can build a fire and wield an ax and everyone is always, they always think I'm such a city guy, but really (laughs) I'm, I'm a a mountain kid at heart and wield um, an
0: ax is not a phrase that we hear very often these days. That's pretty brilliant.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's was legitimately my childhood. Like I, I would sort of go out. We, we lived on this Creek, um, and basically in this little It was very cabin-like and I just loved literally like clearing space and building forts. And there was this giant rock that I used to like, I mean, it was like huge. It was the size of a car. And it was completely flat. It was like this piece of granite, and I used to like lay out there like a weirdo and watch and watch the clouds and stuff. And I, I say this like very poetically, but it's like <laughs> a le- it's like a legitimate thing that I did. Like I was not cool at all, and still am not. But uh, yeah, so that's my little fun fact: is that I can I can build fires, and everyone is always sort of surprised by that.
0: Did you say race sticks? Did I hear you? Right? I did. Okay. Yeah. What is that, what so does that
1: mean? often, often. It was by myself, but sometimes <laughs> it always
2: wins. Always, I, wins. I,
1: always <laughs> I really set myself up for it. Um, but also like, I mean, I had friends too. And I had, a, my, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by the way, I had like a few.
2: When you have uh, to add, I had friends.
1: <laughs> <laughs> question mark. Yeah. Anyways, well, my, any, I do remember like racing with, um, with my sister and my sister's two years older than I am. And so, yeah. But basically what it is is you just put a stick in the creek and see who who's wins. And, oh, and it was okay. like, um, yeah, it's not as um, elaborate as you would think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the to, the way to level up is, and we used to do this in like other creeks, but in the creeks, like down in the valley, like not in the mountains, there was these reeds that you could kind of break, break apart just with your hands and you can make like rafts with them. So there was like this specific technique that you can make like a reed raft and then you would race that down the creek. And those were little, I mean you could put like little sails on them. So it was very like Huckleberry Finn kind of style. And it's even making that me that think was like
0: of, of like that what the the Curious George book. Did you guys ever read Curious George growing yeah, up? And there was yeah, that yeah. book where he makes the um yeah, that the paper totally. boat that he puts in the river and then i think he gets it like follows it and gets lost or something like that's kind of what yeah, comes to that's mind that's
2: actually autobiographical that was gorgeous.
0: yeah that that was about my life Actually,
1: <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy it's funny you should mention yeah. that that's my pen name <laughs> um, yeah so th- that curious, that was yeah. the the next level stick racing but yeah i mean that's just what you do when you live in the woods
0: i love it so. how about how about you jen
2: I don't know if your listeners knew that when they turned into the Boca podcast today, they were going to get a primer on stick Creek racing,
0: but <laughs> it's no, true.
2: You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> that's our primary expertise. Um, yeah, well, since Jeff led with childhood, I'll have to, I'll go with the same and say that I grew up on an ostrich ranch and this Whoa. is one of those things that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know that's, that's the response I get from everyone. Um, and so I. I know so much about ostriches. In fact, I can counsel you against investing in ostriches for a variety of (laughs) reasons, not least because they are the biggest, dumbest animals um, in the animal kingdom.
0: I I love how, like, matter of factly, you say counsel you against investing in ostriches. Like, most people would even consider that as an option.
2: I know. (laughs) <laughs> well, my, my, my dad apparently did. They were really hot in the 90s. Okay. Because, I don't know if you know this, Nathan, but you can actually use almost every part of an ostrich. Eyelashes make um, great makeup brushes, and the skin is very valuable. And the feathers, very much on paper, they were the new cow of, of 1992. Please tell um, me you
0: can't milk ostriches, though.
2: You cannot milk ostriches, however, their eggs are great. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can, you can race them. My brothers would race them. We had school we had schools come tour our ostrich farm. And so my older brother would get love letters from um, second graders who thought he looked so strong as he was wrangling the ostriches. <laughs> and we lost a lot of ostriches because ostriches, like I said, are very large, but and they can run around 60 miles per hour, but they also have a brain the size of of a walnut. Um, and so they're living proof that God has a sense of humor because they are not smart. In fact, they will start running at like 60 miles per hour and then they, they get terrified and don't know how to stop. And so they would run into our barn and die because they ran like literally run into the
0: barn. Yes. Like the wall or something. Oh my goodness. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You actually can't have, you can't have corners in your fence if you have ostriches because they will um, walk into a corner and then not know how to get out and they will have a brain aneurysm because they're freaking out so much that they can't turn a corner and oh, they think my they're word. trapped. I mean, th- they're that dumb, like real dumb. <laughs> so when you, when you ha- are having a bad day, just think about the fact that you're able – to walk into a corner and then turn around and, you <laughs> and walk the leg up <laughs>
0: and leg not have up. a brain aneurysm. My word, that's crazy. Okay, this this might be the most interesting segment of random facts <laughs> that we've had on the podcast yet. This You're is, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did let, not even know what you were doing.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's really awesome. Well, let, let's go a little bit deeper. I want to I want to learn <laughs> yes, about <I> <laughs> about both your families too a little bit more. Jen, maybe you can start.
2: Sure. Um, well, I am married to an awesome um, guy named Aaron. And we have a three-year-old named Serena. And then I have a newer seven-month-old little girl named Sophia. And we have a golden retriever um, and an espresso machine. And that's kind of our that's kind of our family unit. Um, and we live out here in Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. on a mountaintop. And I was telling Jeff earlier that I'm not sure if the internet was going to hold out today because our internet is actually provided by a guy named Rudy. And when our internet goes down, we just have to call Rudy, which I did this morning, saying, hey, FYI, the satellite got a little bit knocked over in the windstorm. Can you come out, Rudy, (laughs) and take a look? So for running a couple of tech companies, um, our setup is a little bit less than ideal, but the view definitely makes... It all worth it. So we we love kind of our slow life out here. There's not a takeout restaurant within you know 15 minutes, which is a little bit sad on some late launch nights. Um, but other than that, we we really love it out here.
0: That's really really cool. How about you, Jeff?
1: Um, so I have a soon-to-be husband, um, Darren, and. It's kind of ironic that it's Darren and Erin, so they're just two peas in a pod, naturally. <laughs> of course. Um, and <laughs> I have a nine-month-old golden doodle, Andy, who is ridiculous and spoiled. And um, I uh, don't do coffee.
0: No, hold, hold no
1: coffee. I don't do coffee. It makes me real hyper and agitated, so I just don't do it. But I love a good chai latte. And um, often we'll do orange juice every morning. Um, so that's kind of my little go-to. We uh, just bought a house last year on a creek. And um, I actually have not raced any sticks down this creek, believe it or not. <laughs> but we do have a canoe. And um, Darren has his share of um, remote-controlled boats. So if anyone wants to come have boat races or go for a canoe, Creekside is the place to be for that.
0: That's hilarious. And I know that, that your house has been kind of a project. I've seen pictures. It's beautiful mm. what what you guys are already doing with it. But that that that's almost your your child, if you will, too, right? That's just been like yeah. such a time investment.
1: Yeah. Um, it's it's basically, you know, a version of Fixer Upper without the crew and without Joanna Gaines. i try tried to be <laughs> Joanna Gaines, but um, Darren very much is chip, but I I don't have the same love for shiplap that joanne does so definitely it has been our our little baby for the last year and if i could say anything about anything it would be just to hold things loosely Mm. and realize that sometimes the better the better ideas kind of come through through the the trenches a little bit and so i I'm looking at my kitchen right now and I was like, that's not what I planned, but um, I think it's better than what I had planned. So that's always kind of fun to see.
0: So I love that, and and you guys have a unique passion too about your about your house projects. But ultimately, then it just turned into this beautiful thing. And the pictures that you post of your annual holiday gatherings look like something straight out of a magazine. It's pretty incredible. So um, I, I yeah. love that you've got a Thank got a you. space that you've been able to invest in like that. Um, how do you guys and Jeff? I'll start with you. How do you like to spend time with Darren? And and then maybe more specifically, how do you? How do you guys create that time? Because I, I know that, mm-hmm. that running multiple businesses, you're, you're so busy and it, it can be hard to find time. Is there a particular way that you create that time for yourselves?
1: Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, one of the things that my business coach has advised me on many a time, I've been working with him for five years now. Um, and we meet biweekly. And he, um, he invited me to do um, where he actually has me schedule my free days first. Um, before anything else to ensure that I am getting that free time. So I kind of just have those in my mind set up um, already. And so when I'm really responsible I, I, and about my schedule, I definitely create space for that. Um, and, and one of the things that we love doing together is, uh, both Jennifer and I and um, also Darren and I, we really just love having people over. So that's one of the reasons why we were so excited to get into this house and get it renovated um, was we wanted to just have dinner parties and cocktail parties. And, um, we're kind of like the hub in our little friend family um, group up here. So we spend quite a bit of time, um, doing that. And that's something that both Darren and I really enjoy. Um, I enjoy cooking and, you know, obsessing over, um, you know, menu ideas with Jen and, um, and she's always given me various, you know, Look what I found—kind of texts and everything yeah. throughout throughout uh, the week and everything. Um, but and then Darren does like all of the logistics, and you know it's always this funny kind of thing. Like, you know, I'll be in the I'll be in the kitchen cooking and um, kind of scrambling to try to get everything ready on time and, like, you know, keep it hot and all that. And then it's always the, like, did you set the table? And it's kind of this funny thing. I'm like, I just want you to assume that, like, the table setting is your, your gig, you know? <laughs> Speaking and of so splitting responsibilities, funny, right? Right. It's yeah. just, like, it's just one of the things that, like... rolls, you, rolls it's, Yeah, exactly, <laughs> rolls. So we just kind of laugh about it. So, and he'll, like, he'll, he'll realize, like, oh, crap, that was what I was supposed to do. Um, and so I think, yeah, we just love... Being in community with with this awesome friend group that we that we've created up here, and um, and his family is also really close by, so that's been really fun too. Um, they actually live down the creek from us, and so. We, um, it's actually quicker to get there via canoe than it is via car. Um, so sometimes we'll just row down there for breakfast and
0: you row kind of down ridiculous. there for breakfast. See, again, with these phrases that we don't normally get to hear, I think, yeah, really- no,
1: it's this is this is the creekside life. I tell you what, <laughs> it's something else. That's so good.
0: Well, I, I love the fact that you guys have prioritized, or that and you in particular have prioritized creating that free time first, you know, that, that ends up being an afterthought a lot of times for business owners and, and it's understandable, but just simply scheduling it, planning it and, and mm-hmm. prioritizing enough to do so. I think it's, it's a really wonderful approach to, to managing and, and ultimately creating free time. And I think that's really, really great. Jen, how about yourself? Tell us a little bit about how you and your family hang out and, and how you create free time for yourselves.
2: Yeah, I was actually just talking about this with my husband this weekend because I was telling him that I felt like I'd just kind of been in the the trenches the last couple of weeks and it had been from one thing to the next to the next to the next. And I do have two kiddos and I felt like um, I think having the second kiddo having been Sophia had definitely been a game changer because I had gotten kind of used to the schedule and like how productive I was and how we kind of made things work. And I felt like I had time um, to be a great mom with Serena. And then I I scheduled kind of my, a a tip I learned from a a great creative mom, um, Shay Cochran. She talks about having scheduled work days and then scheduled basically mom days with her kids Mm. instead of trying to do both at the same time yeah. uh, which ultimately is just frustrating and you kind of end up like resenting your your toddler for needing help with something or like needing a glass of water because you're trying to send an email and in reality if you if you're able to kind of separate those two worlds a little bit you're able to enjoy both more um, and so that's something that I really have I've tried to do as much as possible just having kind of those those like family days where I 100% focused on, you know, taking care of my girls and being Serena's mom. Um, And then having my scheduled work days where I am 100% all in on being as productive as possible with my work. Um, And that had been really effective and was something I really enjoyed because I felt like because I did have such a short time of productivity on those days, I knew that I had to just put forth my best effort and be so focused that it ended up being way more productive than if I was like trying to hang out with Serena and then trying to work for 20 minutes and then trying to you know, get lunch ready and then trying to work for 20 minutes. Um I felt like that was a really great system. And then you know having a having a little baby kind of tossed into the mix, it made that a little bit less possible. Cause obviously I have a tiny human that needs me every, you know, three and a half or four hours at, at very least. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was telling Aaron just this weekend that I felt like, you know, from from morning till night, there was just this continuous state of needing to do one task and then do the next and then do the next and do the next. And so he was just telling me this, this last weekend, hey, you need to make sure that every day you at least take like 30 to 45 minutes that is just that it's just yours, even if it's just like sitting down in a magazine or listening to a podcast or whatever it is, um, to recharge. And I feel like it's so tempting, especially mm-hmm. as a mom now to kind of feel like that my mom time is my free time and say, okay, well, I'm spending time with my family. So this is my free time. Um, and in reality, you know, even that, that I love so much that that still requires a lot of out of me. So, um, that's something I'm trying to be more intentional about even now is, okay, how do I structure each day? So that I, uh, in that, I think honestly, that means for me getting up even earlier and it says, okay, if I need to get up at five 30, um, or six, just so I can start my day with that refreshing time of like, and having my quiet time without any demands. Um, I think that's going to be invaluable. So that's something I'm working on. Um, you know, kind of implementing now, now that my, my change. And so I think my advice is a little bit there is just evaluate what season you're in assume that what what's been working and the systems that you've had in place are always going to work and always create like a really life-giving schedule be willing to evaluate and say okay wait a second you know my life is changing right now or I'm in my busiest season how can I evaluate things to give me a, a better life balance right now. Um, and it's easy to let that go unnoticed. So i'm I'm working on that. <laughs> um, the second part of your question, I mean, honestly, this is where Jeff and I are so much on the same page because thankfully, you know, both my husband and I love entertaining, and Aaron has Aaron is actually one of fourteen siblings, so that's another fun fact. 14. And I I say it's like, if the children of Israel were all models, because there's like this beautiful, wonderful family. And we're all very close right now. We all live in Northern Virginia. And so it's really cool, because we get to see so many of his um, family members on a regular basis. So we're all always entertaining. um, And we love this is my favorite thing to evangelize. So excuse me, but if you aren't having adult sleepovers this is something to add to your life and it's not like swinging Mm -hmm. it's not like weird (laughs) don't don't judge (laughs) me um but what we love doing is like inviting another couple or inviting some friends over and we have kind of like a guest suite in the basement and instead of like having dinner and drinks and then everyone has to like inevitably gear up to go home having people over on a friday night or a saturday night being able to like wake up the next morning and casually make brunch together. It is mm-hmm. the absolute best thing ever. Yes. And you end up having so much more deep conversations because yes. you stayed up the night before you finish dinner. And then after dinner, you're unwinding with a glass of wine. No one's in a hurry. And so that's when you actually get to like talk about deep things totally. and actually hear how people are doing. You get past the service and then you have the next morning to like wake up and be doing life together. And you know, my daughter Serena is like making people cappuccinos and, like little three-year-old excited way and they're petting our dog and we end up just having much more of a lifestyle of hospitality that way. And then this like very, you know, okay, we're going to be here for 90 minutes for dinner and this is going to be great. And then the show's over. Bye-bye. So that's been one of our favorite, more intentional ways to get to spend time together.
0: Oh, I, I really, really love that. And it's just like having one kind of big family, if you will. And I know that, yeah. that you guys already know what that's like, especially with Aaron's the size of Aaron's family. But I, I, I think that's so beautiful. And it reminds me of an experience that I, I think I've probably spoken about here on the podcast before. But when I was in Italy... Um, a number of years ago where, you know, dinners are a two and three hour experience regularly and you're not rushed. And there is time for that kind of conversation that you're talking about. And it just feels so good. It was an adjustment for me, honestly, at the time, because I I think I was, I I just hadn't uh, maybe grown up as much, if you will. And I just had a kind of a limited perspective and I'd never been to Italy before. And and so the idea of, you know, we're used to here in the States a 20 minute dinner, and then you're on to the next thing. The idea of sitting for two and three hours, first of all, especially if you're more introverted, you're getting used to the idea that you're going to have a conversation for two to three hours with somebody or a group of people around you is it's an adjustment. But Um, but I love the fact that they take the time for that and even prioritize that. And it's beautiful. I I also like that you pointed out earlier, there was something that that you referenced, which was the the notion of multitasking, which is so, so common amongst photographers. You you hear it discussed all the time, photography business owners. And I understand why it happens because it does seem like we have so much to juggle. Uh, But at the end of the day, there is going to be a tendency for us to be able to get, if, if we're... Truly dedicated to and, and giving real focus to the task at hand, we're going to tend to get more done more efficiently and, and even potentially produce a better finished product. Um, if we don't multitask, um, and and it can be really really helpful. I, I also love that your that your husband is so encouraging and and that and pushing you to to create that space for yourself to to really focus. Even if on some occasions, especially with the younger child, that time is limited. But I think it's really important for us as business owners to to maybe. Uh, learn the importance or the significance of time blocking for the sake of not multitasking. Mm-hmm. Not only will it help kind of clear our mind and ease our mind, um, because what's not talked about is maybe people claim that, that they can multitask, what they don't discuss, uh, or there maybe just isn't the awareness of, is the reality, which is that that ultimately creates a certain amount of stress mentally. Totally. And, and, and yeah. so setting that aside and really truly, I mean, to borrow a very cliche, but very real and, and important phrase, be present. With whatever it is that you're doing is, is really important. And I'm, I'm glad that you made that, that point. This, this has been such a great conversation already. I'm sure we could just kind of continue on with the personal side of things for the extent of our conversation, but I'd love to, <laughs> to get to business here. And I know that you guys are going to have a lot to offer there too. So maybe Jen, you can just start with kind of the backstory of Tonic and how you and Jeff started the company.
2: Yeah, so I think that you know most people um, when they get into business together, there's usually some sort of like prior relationship, and you're like, hey, you know, you're really good at this, and I'm really good at this, and maybe we should consider doing this together. And um, Jeff and I do not have that story. <laughs> um, in fact, we we always joke that this was getting into business together was one of like the best worst decisions we've ever made because in reality, Jeff and I were almost total strangers when we started Tonic together. Um, we had met very briefly only online. So we kind of had like the age old um, internet lonely hearts connection, basically um, that wasn't romantic, obviously it was just di- design soulmates meeting. Yeah. Um, but we'd met via show it. They had a Facebook group for designers. And so we had kind of, just briefly interface back and forth. Jeff had provided some awesome help um, like that. I hadn't even asked for that was super sweet um, of him at the time for just him to hop in and like kind of pre fly a site I was going to launch. And then we met at a designer's retreat and we just hit it off um, instantly. And we just very much kind of liked each other, liked our different styles. We shared so many interests in common. We still do. Um, and we're just enjoying kind of sitting at the back of the class, um, exchanging little comments back and forth. And so we, decided to just get together for drinks, um, with actually with my husband, Aaron joined us at the time. And we met on the roof of the LA standard hotel. And, um, we were just like, Hey, we should just we should do something together. You know, we should just figure out a way to work together. Um, we both had a lot of demand in our businesses and we, on a cocktail napkin, started kind of brainstorming. What could we do? You know, wait a second. Like there at the time, there weren't very many template designs. Um, There's only like one major company doing template designs for show it. And we're like, what if we created templates for like people who don't think they like templates? Um, what if we can give people like a custom website at a price they can afford? What if we can make an awesome website Website accessible to so many more people than we can work with individually. And so we started kind of mapping out this idea and branching out. It's really interesting because I think the people around us, my mom was like, so do you know this person? Like, and I'm like, yeah, you know, he's cool. I met him online.
1: He's cool. He's (laughs) He's cool.
2: Um, Yeah. He he seems legit. He could have bodies buried in his basement. I don't know. Um, so we, we We thank each other all the time for like not being ax murderers since we really (laughs) easily could have been. Um, So I think that, you know, it was really interesting because I think what what was kind of the linchpin of this was that we both had too much demand in our business. And we were realizing, wait, I can't meet the demand. How can I do that? And so I think that was kind of the takeaway point um, for, for other creatives is like, if you're experiencing a ton of demand in your business, there's a sign there somewhere that maybe there's a need that you could meet in another way. And that was kind of the, the founding point of Tonic was like, okay, there's a huge need. I want to meet it. Jeff wants to meet it. We could only serve a really limited amount of people. And so we realized that we had to do something, um, to, to meet a greater audience, to meet a greater need.
0: Well, you mentioned the fact that you guys didn't know each other and you just kind of jumped in, but I have, I actually have a lot of respect for that. I'm reminded both in my personal life and just as I have kind of observed the industry and have conversations with people that, you know, there's a tendency, I think maybe just a human tendency to, to, to think about an idea, to talk about an idea, but not actually do anything about it. You see an opportunity and really as, as much as it may be easy to just kind of make the excuse that, well, everybody's pretty much done every idea or come up with any idea, or they've started a business for this thing or address this need. Um, th- there is pretty much always some type of opportunity and the people that are willing to take a dive and go for it. Um, at the, kudos to them, first of all, for for taking that risk and seeing the opportunity actually doing something about it versus just talking about it. Uh, but they stand to to win pretty big too. And so I love that you guys just went for it. You took the chance and obviously it turned into something good. And maybe that's a good segue too to Jeff, you can kind of talk a little bit about, the company's brand position, because um, you know there are there are obviously website design companies out there and and template companies. Even what makes Tonic unique and how do you guys set yourself apart from the industry?
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of like what what Jen was saying. You know, we we kind of went we went into the space of you know how can we make the this template world cool? Um, a lot of people I don't want a template. That's boring. Right. Um, and so we kind of you know, sought to be the cure to that? Um, How could we help people showcase their awesome better? And so there were so many, even just our friends or clients. I mean, I've been in the the industry for quite some time as a photographer, and I saw so many people who were so awesome, and their websites didn't show that. Um, And so I knew that they needed help, and they were asking me for help, um, asking Jen for help. And we realized, you know, there's there's this group of people who want like a super custom high-end website. They have, you know, high end, higher-end Um, Some of them are some of the leaders in the industry um, who just need something that fits them well. And so I think where, you know, where we saw that opportunity was like, we can bring, we can put the same energy, we can put the same ideas and the same like creative mojo, if you will, into these templates that we do our custom projects and and create a variety that fit a lot of different people and so what's helpful about it is we're doing it through like a very unique perspective so we're, we're doing it from like i i'm a photographer i've been down that road i kind of i'm very much in that you know in that industry so a lot of times i i kind of know the struggle a little bit right so i, I did um, i i now i no longer shoot but um having that relatability i think is really helpful and i um, I think that we kind of bring that um, that into the space too. and and we can also help people tell their stories. And I think that's that's one of the like linchpins of Jen's whole sort of philosophy in terms of design is like creating a narrative. And so being a journalist, we kind of, she brings that that focus into it. and I'm like a visual storyteller. So all, a lot of our sites just really, have this narrative flow and we want to lead people through the site we want to get them you know allow the viewers to get to know our clients and and see they're awesome and then ultimately call or schedule consultation or book a session right so there's all of that story narrative that we really like try to focus on when we're creating the sites but we ultimately are trying to get it create sites that convert as well. And so there's a lot of that thinking into our templates, which a lot of templates don't do. They, it, they kind of stop at, you know, here's a portfolio, here's a contact page. And we really want to introduce the world to these awesome people and for them to be able to see the work, but also see what makes them unique in their own marketplace.
0: And, and that's, you know, it's a tough thing to do to scale a high-end feel, right? I mean, when somebody hears template, and, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, there's a natural inclination there, a tendency, I think, to assume that it's it, it's cheap, if you will. Um, right,
1: or how, standard, or yeah, basic. Exactly,
0: yeah. exactly. And I love, by the way, that, that you're putting some thought into not just presenting a portfolio, but also helping them convert a client. That's really a conversation in and of itself. But um, how do you communicate that? And, and maybe this question almost answers itself. Honestly, if, if you, and again, for those of you listening in, if you haven't been to the site yet, make sure you go to tonic site, S I T E S H O P dot shop.com. And this question will almost answer itself because the moment that I land on that homepage, I feel like I'm, I'm at a high-end store. It's beautifully, beautifully done. And, and I can't stress that enough. Thank but you. would you say that that is kind of the primary tool that you use? Is it, the, is it the feel of the website that that enables you guys to communicate this high-end feel to potential clients? Or what is it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, yeah, you know, definitely. I- I think our brand certainly feels that way. We always joke that like tonic is way cooler than we are, as you can tell from the previous comments (laughs) we've made. Um, And so tonic itself as a brand is kind of like a luxe speakeasy. Is kind of how we, you know, we want it to be kind of the cool place to be. Right. Um, So inherently I think that feels very high end and very luxe. Um, And then I think too, like just the caliber of our design, like in terms of like the, the things that we're putting into it, like we're not just like I said, we're not just doing like one section, like one bio and like a short paragraph and a, and a bio photo. It's like, there's these layered dimensional sections that, you know, it's like going into a high end restaurant. You're not just getting one course, you're getting six or eight. Yeah. And so we really, or it's not a craft, it's like a craft cocktail, not one that it's just like, here's, here's a splash of this and a splash of that. And here's your drink. It takes 20 minutes to make because they set the thing on fire. Ah, That's kind of how we likened our, our sites. And that's how we sought to create them. Like, okay, these aren't just like basic websites that you can get anywhere. These are handcrafted websites that have those small. And so like the detailing is very, is, is very custom in a lot of ways. And you don't see that usually in, in
0: the template market. Wow, that's really beautiful. Jen, do you want to add to that as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think when you go to our website, like you'll see that the first thing we very intentionally said, we don't say like, welcome to our template shop. It says customizable website designs, Stylish, creative—you know—so instantly, you're not saying, "Okay, like I'm at a boring template shop." And then the the next text that you read is, "We've redefined the website template." So I think that that's kind of like our one-two punch of like, so we're not a template company, um, and then this is going to give you something um, that you are looking for, for your business it's going to change the, the face of your business. This is the answer to boring template website syndrome. And that's kind of how we initially positioned ourselves in the market is, was the answer to a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of marketing geniuses, um, have said, so I'm not really inventing anything there, but the people that you're serving need to know that they have a problem. And then you are providing the answer to that problem. Um, and, and that is something that we've really set out to do very quickly in our, in our, in our copy, um, um, and then as well as just elevating each each aspect of our design. So whether it's our website, um, our brand images, and then how we approach the design of our individual templates, we approach them like we're designing for a custom client. Mm-hmm. And so all of, you know, we've worked with a bunch of Really awesome influencers in the market, and we put the same energy um, into each one of our designs as we do to the, each one of those custom clients. So there's no like slap down. Well, I guess this will work. It's very much like okay, we develop an identity um, for each of our of our cocktails because they're all inspired by cocktails. We develop an identity, and so we really know like okay, what would our um, our Jack Rose design look like? What would an about page look like for Jack Rose? Would Jack Rose have this? No, Jack Rose wouldn't. Have had that, no, Jack Rose would have this section, or it would be styled this way. And so I think because of that, people are able to approach our designs um, in a really, in a really holistic way and say, okay, this one was made just for me. And so we one of the feedback pieces that we get a lot that we love is when people say, Man, I couldn't believe you guys had a design that felt like it was made for me. And we're like, Yeah, it was. Like we were thinking, we don't have a website for this specific kind of person. Let's create one because they need an they need an outlet to show their client base just how amazing they are and to be seen at their best. So I think that just our approach was probably um, a little bit different to anyone else in the market. And then it, it didn't hurt that we kind of have a shtick. So we um, were like I said we're all inspired. All of our our designs are inspired by cocktails. Uh, we have like a lot of bar imagery. Jeff and I both love a great cocktail. We love entertaining, and so that kind of um, idea of hospitality, idea of like mixing something specific, um, hand crafting a cocktail like a great bartender who knows what you like all of that imagery I think gives us a really unique brand position that creates a really memorable presence and that gives us something to play with um, as well in all of our copy and images and everything else
0: well there, you've touched again on a number of things here that we could continue to talk about for some time but one of the things that you mentioned almost in passing that I'd, I'd really like to highlight and and I'm actually going to have somebody on the podcast a little bit later this week to really dive into this topic of brand position? Because I think it's actually been a bit of a confusing question on the podcast. I've had various guests on and and I asked the question and uh, this notion of brand position isn't really a common discussion in the industry. And I love that you're shedding some light on it already now in a way that really we haven't had light shed on it um, so far on the podcast. So this is really beautiful, but the the significance of being able to communicate how you are different from those in your industry with just a few words is so, so important. And we're not talking about, mm-hmm. you know, one of the common responses to what is your brand position here on the podcast is um, I like to focus on relationships. And and on multiple levels, that really isn't a, a clear brand position. Number mm-hmm. one, very simply because so many people are already doing the same thing. Um, but if If you aren't actually offering a service that is that has a very clear clear mission that translates to very easy message you know not not the traditional kind of thirty second elevator pitch but something that can be summed up in just a few words and literally five seconds, then not only are you missing out on an opportunity to set yourself apart but you're potentially missing out as well on the opportunity to be able to convert a client because we all know. The potential client's attention span these days is relatively short. And if they land on your site and they don't immediately know what it is that you offer uniquely, um, then you potentially have lost that client.
2: Yeah. To interrupt you really fast, I just have to mention like one of my favorite quotes, and that's kind of been a a great baseline for us to operate from. Uh, Seth Godin says, in a crowded marketplace, fitting in is a failure, and in a busy marketplace, not standing out is the same as being invisible. And like obviously, that's an extreme view, but I think he's so right because especially in the creative community, there are so many awesome creative businesses, and they can all begin to look and sound the same. And so if you aren't really taking a look at your market and saying, okay, Wait a second. What makes me different? And how can I articulate that really easily and clearly so that my average client you know, looks over the 47 tabs they have open and gets to mine and said, oh, here I am. This is what I've been looking for. If you're not doing that, then I think you're missing a chance to, to stand in and, and stand out and you might be rendering yourself invisible.
0: I want to talk a little bit about website design. I would love your take um for the sake of our listeners. And then of course they're gonna be able to 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 go to Tonic and, and learn more about the services that you offer. And, and I mean I already want to go ahead and, and buy a template myself now after hearing just, just <laughs> this much of our conversation. But um what does it mean for a, a photographer to have a website created for them that is an accurate reflection of their brand and what is the significance of that? Maybe Jeff, you can you can comment on that.
1: Yeah. Um, the first when you first said that, w- my first response was it it really changes how you feel about yourself and about your work. Hmm. And so that's one of the things that I think sometimes people skip over is that like so much of what you do as a creative is connected to your identity, and it uh, oftentimes starts as an expression of creativity, or it, it, it starts as an expression of yourself. Um, and so I think when you feel good about your website, um, you feel good about yourself and you feel like, Hey, I can do this. And so there's so many times I, I may mean, I hear it in every consultation that I ever have is I don't feel like my rep- my website represents me well, or it doesn't showcase who I am, or it's missing something. Um, and so I think that what that does for you is it, it gives you a sense of empowerment and a sense of confidence to sell yourself well. Um, and then of course it communicates why people should, you know, if it's designed well and the content is well positioned, it communicates why people should hire you mm. or why they should care, yeah. you know, and that's ultimately you're trying to like, you know, especially with like a wedding photographer, you know, they're inviting um, you to be there on one of the most important days of their lives. Right. And so they want to connect with you and know who you are. And so we really, even in our, in our custom work and our, um, you know, and especially in tonic, we create spaces for you to connect with your ideal client, um, in ways that are, are more meaningful than just, Oh, like, I like coffee. Um, but in a way that is, um, deeper and, and shows value. And yeah. so I, yeah.
2: And I think like, just to interrupt briefly, yeah. I, I think that, you know, getting back to Seth, Seth, our friend, our friend, Seth, it's because, you know, people don't, he says, people don't buy goods and services. They buy relations story and magic, you know, and that's what a great website has to offer. It offers people a relationship. It offers people story. It offers people that magic. That's that's what makes people buy things and do things and connect with people and work with you. And if your website is designed in a way that creates those three elements, you're going to end up with clients. You know, you're going to end right. up with with better clients. You're going to end up with that, the kind of client who's designed to work with you, um, who you're going to be, be the best fit for. And I think that's what when people kind of assume that their website doesn't matter that much or it's really not a big piece of their brand, which fortunately isn't a lot of them marketplace now, because we're hyper aware of our websites for the most part, um, I think that they're missing out on a client base that is exactly fit for them. And I think that that's, that's kind of the the magic element that a website can provide if it's really designed well to represent your brand.
1: Yeah. And it's it's very much that, that idea of like, we want to help you be seen for who you are and what you do best. And that's what a website should do. And so there's this opportunity for you to be showcased in a way that connects with those ideal people. And and what we want to happen is for people to think like, oh my gosh, like I have to have this person. There's nobody else. And there's, you know, we get phone calls from clients being like, I just booked another ideal client and they just booked on the spot because of my website. And that is the power of it, um, is that you can immediately... If it's done well and thoughtfully, you can immediately just boom, connect with your people. Um, and if you can have them have that me, me too moment, like then your, your content is effective. Um, you know, I, I love mac and cheese too. And then you have something to talk about. So those points of connection are super important to building that relationship. And that's all we're trying to do is build a relationship enough to be like, let's take it to the next step. Let me give you a call. And let's, let's get together.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you actually mentioned the thing about mac and cheese or coffee as well, though, because um, one of the points that you made earlier, Jeff, was just this very simple notion is what what is the value that I am offering to the potential client, right? When they land on that site, they really should know that immediately, what it is that they could potentially purchase from this photographer or what service, what More specifically, what specific type of photography uh, and why. And while the relationship with with our clients is so particularly important, um, especially in the photo industry, we tend to develop more intimate relationships, especially with wedding clients. You're spending hours and hours and hours during a wedding day with them, potentially an engagement session on top of that and meetings uh, as well. Um, but we have the opportunity to develop relationships. That's a really important point of the interaction with the client that, that we are able to share ourselves personally and that they endear themselves to us because of that. But I don't think there's enough emphasis put on the very clear, not only just the, the brand position, but really what that brand position ultimately communicates, which is the potential value that the photographer has to offer to the client. The, the relationship is important. It's going to be an, a massive part of their experience, but we have to make sure that the value is clearly communicated up front. And, and I'm glad that you emphasize that. It's such an important thing. And, and, and speaking of our ideal client, uh, Jen, you were alluding to that. And I want to come back to you because I know that you focus a lot of your time on copy how do you how do you effectively speak your ideal client's language through the creative content on the web, new website what's what's that process look like
2: yeah so i think that process looks very much unsexy um, <laughs> I think the process is a process and it really relates to doing homework um, and I think that's where a lot of brands um, miss out because they kind of jump into the design process they jump into like the visual identity they're really excited about how everything's gonna look um, and they forget about the homework that needs to happen prior because before um, you know before you decide what your brand wears basically that's the visual is just what your brain is gonna wear your brand has to be a fully formed Person or an idea before you get to that point, so you've got to see the 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 visual step as kind of the finery that you're going to attach to the holistic version. So I really start, and Jeff does as well now, starting with kind of the the homework. Um, and we approach things with two resources. I think we're going to link to you in the show notes as well. Um, there are two things that we do every time. We do this process called the brand interview, um, and that's one of my favorite tools. Obviously, as a former journalist, I love interviews, but I love this process because basically what it requires you to do as a brand is it has you answer a set of like four or five questions um, some of them about your ideal client some things about like what you've loved to work with before um, things about like what you need to change about your brand and how it's what presented right now you answer all those questions and then you send the same interview to a few of your trusted friends in the industry or your partner um, and you survey those three or four people and then as you get the questions back you're going to begin to see the parallels and the same the same words pop up over and over the same hmm. ideas pop over and over and over. And I think you, you get from that, this really, the sense of your brand, um, not only how you think it is, but how it's being perceived by others who maybe know you or just are familiar with your brand. Um, you begin to develop that idea of like, wait a second, what does my ideal client look like? How am I going to reach out to them? For example, um, when I worked with Amy and Jordan, one of the responses that we heard over and over and over was the word joy or joyful. And we realized like, that was, that was the idea that kind of their website had to create. And so that changed the tone of even their, their, their bio images weren't just like them, like, stu- you know, Zoolandering the camera. Like they were both <laughs> laughing in their images because yeah. they wanted to be, they had to be joyful. And yep. they knew that their clients were these joyful, like all of their brides images that they loved were these like happy, laughing, like really joyful, images and so that brand interview was so helpful and then we also have a, a brand questionnaire and that is very much a little bit more related to like who you are as a creative and then your brand um, and it has like weird questions like where does your where would your brand shop and that's like one of my favorite kind of offbeat brand questions because it really says so much about um, about your brand and then maybe your ideal client because if your ideal client shop J crew that tells you a lot about like how your Your brain position should be in terms of the visual identity, in terms of the tone. Okay, it should be like, fresh and preppy and relatable. Um, you know, it has a little bit of that outdoorsy feel. It has like history to it. It has a lot of um, just that kind of East Coast vibe. It gives you so much insight into both your brand and then how it should be presented. So I don't think there's really any substitute for basically doing the homework. And if you can get that, if you can get that homework in place, it, it gives you such a great rubric for evaluating things um, when you do get to the design process and you're able to be armed with some ideas of going, okay, wait a second, no. I like that, but it doesn't fit my brand. I like this, but it would not appeal to my ideal client because I know that they're into something that feels this way.
0: Well, and it's a word that's thrown around a lot these days, but the word intentional comes to mind there again, that you really do have to, uh, I know we're all kind of guilty of of running our business at maybe at one point or another in kind of a random way. I know I've done it (laughs) multiple times over, Um, but we have to be intentional, very, very clear about what our goals are. And part of what that goal, that goal or set of goals will help us define then is the type of client that we're going after. And, and at that point, then you can, you can begin to develop the language that that fits that particular client. And, and I love that you're offering this resource. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. You mentioned the visual aspect of that website. And so, Jeff, maybe I'll segue to you at this point. And, and I'm curious, when, when it comes to developing the visual side of, of the site, um, you know, there's this there's this um phrase that that is used quite a bit when it comes to website design or even just photography for that matter, which is quote, finding inspiration. And I'm curious of your take on what the difference is between simply copying someone else and and quote, finding inspiration.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's definitely a, a tricky thing to navigate, I think, um, <clears throat> in any sort of creative space. Um and how to take an idea and make it your own is, is kind of the bane of every artist's existence, right? You know, How can you be inspired, but also not just duplicate or replicate. Um, one of the things that Jen and I do um, with our tonic design and even with, with our clients um, in some of the, the bit of custom work that we do um, is we, we really try to focus on looking outside of the industry. Um, And looking outside of like the digital space as well, Um, I think it's, you'll sort of see a through line in a lot of our design in the tonics and the tonic shop is that it's all very editorial. It has like a very editorial vibe. And that's because we specifically seek out inspiration, like layout inspiration from editorial design. So we look at magazines, we look at packaging. We're looking at like ad spreads in magazines and how they're, you know, how the copy relates to the images and and the scale and proportions. Like we're looking at all of this sort of different stuff that um that ends up inspiring a you know a, a layout idea or a concept. In fact, one of our sites, Mint Julep, was inspired by this soap package in this little um, boutique in Seattle that we came across, and I was like. Just, and look at this and we're like whoa, that's like that's very mint julep isn't it and it was just this key line detailing on a on a really cool graphic um sort of photo-esque piece of um wrapping paper and it was a it was a piece of bar soap right so that inspired and then, and then it connected to oh we want it to feel like a super luxe like wedding stationary line mm. okay so what are the things in a wedding stationary line okay it needs to have like a really beautiful script font and Oh, it really needs to have like some good key line details and some like double borders. So it feels very luxe and classic. Um, uh, oh, we want it to feel slightly more approachable. So let's do like a modern calligraphy font instead of something that's really classic and traditional. Um, and, oh, we're going to use like a pop of green because that feels minty. You know what I mean? So there's, there's these things that you start to look at that can can be really small and you piece a whole bunch of those little tiny ideas together and then you've created something unique um and so that's that's one of our our primary suggestions is as don't just look in one spot and be open to finding ideas from any and everywhere and i always feel like such a weirdo when i'm like doing inspiration um sourcing because i'm like literally like looking at at leaves and like looking around like when, when i remember this one time when i was in dc me and jen are just like in the store like scanning for just some idea of something we don't know necessarily know where it's going to go so we don't necessarily i always say when people are sourcing inspiration like don't try to organize or catalog it yet just gather And so I am such an input person. So I am I have a folder and I just dump stuff in there. And then it becomes, ooh, what if I did this and this and this together? Then it would be this cool, like, minimalist, fine art vibe. But ooh, I need it to feel slightly Tuscan. So what do I got to do to make it feel that? Oh, remember how that restaurant felt? Ooh, I'm going to look that up. And then all of a sudden you can start to take feelings and vibes and textures and you know, actual graphic treatments and put that together to create something that nobody's ever seen before. And that's how we do it. That's why you look at our sites and they all feel unique because, you know, we're, we're doing that process for every single one of our site designs.
0: Well, and I like the distinction that you made there of not simply going to one place and getting the so-called ideas or inspiration for a website, but that you're you're sourcing bits and pieces from multiple places, looking all over. And that's a really important distinction to make. I think in a really good recommendation and piece of advice in this case of differentiating between simply copying something and finding inspiration is that you're taking pieces from multiple locations, multiple experiences and then putting that together to create something new. And and I have to say too, you, you mentioned editorial. One of my favorite editorial resources for, for inspiration is W magazine. I love the format. Yep.
2: Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I love
0: the design Beautiful. inside is just beautifully done. Uh, if you guys haven't, yeah. if, for, for those listening in, if you haven't seen W magazine, make sure you check that out. But, Um, This is really, really good. Once the photographer lands on an idea, though, or ideas for their look of their website, then how do they take that to your templates at Tonic? Maybe, Jen, you can comment on this.
2: Yeah, so I think it's really helpful because we have – we've really kind of done the ideation for each of our templates in a way that we're hoping that there is a design that really fits everyone, that we can say, okay, there's going to be something that you can use as a baseline for you and your ideal client. Um, So after you've kind of done this homework, I think you should be armed with the info that you need to say, okay – what kind of style am I looking for? Who's my ideal client, and then what are they? What are they looking for in a website? What's going to set me apart from my competition in my industry? Um, and so, whenever you go to our site, you should be able to see kind of the designs are sorted into different styles. They all have kind of different bios attached to them, so you should be able to connect with at least one or two initially. And then the nice thing about you know our designs and working with the platform that we do show it is that really they're infinitely customizable, and so you can change. You know all the fonts, all the colors, all the imagery. You can change it around very much to the degree that the sky is the limit. So take your take your content, take that, take who your ideal client is, and then say, okay, how do I develop my brand imagery and curate my portfolio in a way that fits this vibe? If I'm looking to create, you know, if I'm looking to connect with that J Crew client, um, do, do my images have energy? Um, are the the key images that I'm using in my site? And these various places where Jen and Jeff have created these like really big moments my website, are those all kind of speaking the same language? Are are the typefaces that I'm using really supporting my narrative of this is who I am and this is who I'm trying to reach? You can kind of line up those elements in a way using our site designs as a baseline um, because we've done a lot of the heavy lifting there for you of, okay, like these are the elements that you need to convert a client. And now all you have to do is really plug and play knowing who yours is and who you are and who you're trying to reach. So I think that, I think that we, we've done a good job in terms of um, using our custom design experience to really make it the experience easy for people to say, okay, I knew who I am. I know who I'm trying to reach. Now I have my content acquired and I can, I can go forth with confidence and do exactly that.
0: Well, and and I think that really just beautifully kind of concludes our conversation today. But I I know that if, if those listening in or anything like me right now, I'm kind of chomping at the bit to want to then go get a template and, and start <laughs> using it for my business or my businesses, even my personal site for that matter. Um, I, I really, truly love what you guys have done. And I, I, the advice and the wisdom that you've that you've layered on today has been absolutely wonderful. So I can't thank you enough for that. But I want to send our listeners to Tonic and then also let them know where um, they can follow you guys online. So maybe if you'll sh- share those resources uh, with us now, we'll make sure, of course, to link to them in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah, well, our, so our website is tonicsiteshop.com. And then our Instagram handle is at tonicsiteshop. Um, and so those are the two, two places to connect with us where we're, we're, um, happy to answer any questions or, you know, talk about cocktail recipes or, um, you know, talk about ostriches and (laughs) racing sticks. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, so that, yeah, that's where you guys can connect with us.
0: Perfect. And we'll make sure, of course, to, to link to those sites. And then you mentioned the resource earlier, Jen, as well. Can we link to that in the show notes as well?
2: Yeah. So we'll have our brand interview and our brand questionnaire up in the show notes for you. And if you have any questions about that, um, we're definitely around. So shoot us an email. We're at info at or fill out our little, right on our cocktail napkin, as we like to call it, on our tonicsiteshop.com uh, contact page. And we would love to connect with you very genuinely. This is what we get excited about. So we could talk brands all day long.
0: Well, you've truly been very generous in all that you've shared today. I really can't thank you guys enough for making time for the book of podcast listeners.
2: We were happy to be here. Thanks so much for having us. You,
1: Yeah, it's been really fun to chat with you and have a good conversation around, you know, good drinks and good design. It's something we are both clearly very passionate and have lots to say about. So we're happy to carry the conversation on in any way that's helpful for people.